Okay, let's take our Bibles this morning, and we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, that's where we're going to start out at, and we're going to go back to the book of Genesis. We, of course, uh, if you notice the theme behind me, uh, our banner for the year, uh, out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, we've been unto every good work, and we've been uh, looking at that and uh, going through the scripture and uh, just looking at different instances of uh, people that were prepared to do good works. Uh, last week, we went all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and we talked about the uh, the good work of the Creator and uh, looked how that the Lord uh, Himself, God, uh, created everything and how the Bible says that it was good. Amen? It was very good. And we looked at that. And so this morning, uh, we're going to look at somebody else who prepared a good work. So if you find your place with me in Hebrews chapter 11, if you'll stand with me for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God, I'm going to uh, read one verse to you here, and then we're going to go back in a few minutes uh, to the book of Genesis. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Verse 7. Notice what the Scripture says. says this, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared. There's that word. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And again, notice where it says there, prepared an ark. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you meet with us this morning. I ask that you speak to us in the preaching of your word. Lord, as I pray every week, if someone is here today and they don't know you as their personal Savior, I'd ask God that you would uh, work on their heart. I pray you'd bring them under Holy Ghost conviction. And I pray, God, that uh, they would accept you before it's eternally too late. I pray that those of us that are saved, we'd allow the Word of God to change us and help us and make us what we ought to be for you. We love you and we thank you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The prepared work of Noah. Uh, go ahead and take your Bibles, and let's go all the way back to Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 6. And um, uh, I love the story here of famous Bible story. In fact, it may be one of the most famous Bible stories that a lot of people have heard of. Uh, even if they are not familiar with other Bible stories, a lot of people have heard about uh, what's referred to as Noah and the Ark. Uh, how many of you have ever been... Uh, to Kentucky and been to the Ark Museum over there. Is anyone okay? Good, good portion of us. And I've been over there a, a few times. They also have over there uh, a, the, what they call the Creation Museum. Uh, but if you've never been over there, I can encourage you go over there. It's definitely worth the trip, especially going to the Ark. Man, there's something about that. In fact, uh, they uh, they built that ark to the dimensions listed in the Bible. And uh, that literally is, now, uh, maybe it's off a little bit, but for the most part, that is an uh, exact representation of what Noah probably built back in his day. And, man, you look at that and you think to yourself, what an amazing structure there. And that's what we're talking about here. Now, Noah and his story is very interesting because he they, they kind of understand uh, where Noah's living at and kind of the day and age which he's living in. You've got to kind of understand the timeline of human history uh, from uh, when God created everything in the book of uh, Genesis there, in Genesis chapter 1, the Garden of Eden. There was approximately 2,000 years of human history from Adam and Eve to about the time of the flood. 
Okay, now uh, that, that sounds like a long time, and it is a long time, but you got to remember back in those days, people lived to be longer than they are today. And uh, there's reasons for that we won't get into today. Uh, but uh, there was approximately 2,000 years of history between Adam and Eve and uh, Noah and his day. Now, a lot of things were going on. In fact, the Bible gives us some specific detail about the things going on in Noah's day in Genesis chapter 6. And I'm, we're, again, we're, we don't, we're not going to get into all this this morning because there's so much there. But I want to give you several things that will be a help and a blessing to you when we talk about this prepared work that Noah did. And the Bible specifically says for the saving of his house. The prepared work for the saving of his house. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6, if you will. And let's begin reading uh, verse 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. I'm just going to read a couple verses for you here. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air for it repenteth me that I have made them. You see folks, mankind had got to the point where there was so much evil, so much wickedness going on. God said, you know what? I can't do anything with them. I'm going to have to kill them all. I'm going to have to destroy them all. And here's the first thing I want you to understand is this, is that sin grieves the heart of God. Sin grieves the heart of God. Did you notice what it said in verse 6? where it said this, and it grieved him at his heart. It made God extremely sorrowful at the condition of mankind. Here mankind was made by the Creator. Here mankind had been given this wonderful place called earth to live on. And by the way, back before before the flood, earth at the time was a different, uh, the, the climate was different. The, the, the things were different back in the days before the flood. Hey, there was a tropical climate all throughout the earth in those days. Literally everywhere on earth was like a tropical paradise. Mankind lived to be longer. I mean, hey, the Creator had blessed mankind with some phenomenal benefits. But you know what? Mankind, sad to say, it says that their, their every imagination of their thoughts were only evil continually. And by the way, folks, let me just remind us, amen, that sin grieved the heart of God. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 95, verse 10, talking about uh, the children of Israel, 40 years long, I was grieved with this generation. In Mark chapter 3, verse 5, the Bible talks about Jesus, that He was grieved for the hardness of their heart. And folks, let me tell you something, that uh, sin, uh, he, he back in that day, grieved the heart of God, and even in this day, grieves the heart of God. Remember what we learned last week? We learned how that when God made Adam and Eve, He did so for the purpose of fellowship. Mankind, a creation unlike any other, uh, literally walked with their Creator in that garden and that relationship they had with God and the fellowship that they had. And you know what? Sin came along and changed it all. And all of a sudden, things changed. All of a sudden, blood had to be shed to cover up sin. And on and on the list could go. And folks, when you begin looking at these things, it's no wonder sin grieves the heart of God. It's no wonder. By the way, come on now. God hasn't changed His mind even though it's 4,000 years into the future. God hasn't changed His mind. Amen? The same way God felt about sin then, it's the same way God feels about it now. I think sometimes mankind gets this 
pie in the sky view of God. And they mistake His mercy and long-suffering for the fact that God just ignores and looks over sin. Now listen, I'm glad God is long-suffering and merciful. In fact, we wouldn't be here today if He wasn't. Amen? Praise God for His long-suffering and mercy. I'm going to tell you right now, God doesn't ignore sin. Amen? He didn't ignore the sin in Noah's day. He doesn't ignore sin in 2023. God sees and takes heed to the truth of His Holy Word. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, mankind, Christians, we better get it. Sin grieves the heart of God. Now when we say that, we think of things like the sodomite crowd. We think of things like the abortion crowd, the alcohol, the drugs. We think of all that stuff. But folks, let me just remind you, sin is sin. Your sin and my sin grieves the heart of God. Amen? We need to understand that because that's what led to what Noah had to do to prepare that ark for the saving of his house. Now, I know that first point was kind of dark, amen? It was kind of, uh, oh man, preacher, you're supposed to help me this morning. You're supposed to encourage me this morning. Well, sometimes we need to be faced with truth, amen? And truth is, sin grieves the heart of God. But hey, thank God for this. Number two, God offers grace to mankind. God offers grace to mankind. Look with me back in Genesis chapter 6. I love this verse because we read in verse 5, 6, and 7 about the wickedness of man and how that God was going to destroy man. But look at the first phrase you find in verse 8. The Bible says, but Noah, but Noah. Man, I'm thankful for those conjunctions in the Bible. Amen? I'm thankful for the conjunction in verses like Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift. Amen? And thank God. He offers an alternative for mankind. And you know what it is, folks? It's exactly what it was in Noah's day. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that is the grace of God. I'm going to tell you something. Just that subject alone, we could preach message after message after message about the grace of God. And by the way, it never gets old. Amen? What is grace, by the way? Grace is getting something you don't deserve. That is grace. Now notice here, the Bible doesn't say... But Noah found mercy in the eyes of the Lord. By the way, mercy is important too. What's mercy? Mercy is not getting something you deserve. And by the way, I'm thankful for mercy. But the Bible didn't say that God showed Noah mercy. The Bible said that Noah found grace. Noah found unmerited favor in the eyes of God. I want you to think about this for a minute, okay? We know the story, and most of us do, amen? Noah and his family were the only righteous people on the earth at that time. And even though the world literally was going to hell in a handbasket, and everything was wicked, and everything was alive, it still took grace for Noah to be saved from the flood, amen? And let me tell you what that means, folks. That means this, that it doesn't matter how good we think we are. It doesn't matter whether or not we're the most upstanding citizens and and we pay our taxes and we do this and we do that. Let me tell you right now, there ain't one of us that can approach God without His grace. Amen? Without His grace. And by the way, God has manifested His grace to us in this day and age we're living in. Yes, He has. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us how He does that. That in ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness to us through Christ Jesus. And by the way, when Jesus Christ came to this earth, let me tell you what that was, folks. When He came and when He lived and He died, it was the biggest manifestation of the grace of God He's ever given to mankind. 
the fact that Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for us in our place when it should have been us that died. Amen? He came. That is grace. That is God's unmerited favor. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's never been anybody, nor will there ever be anybody, who can experience a relationship with God that hasn't done so through grace. Grace. Listen, folks, we don't deserve it. By the way, don't ever say, oh, I just want what I deserve. No, you don't. Amen? Because let me tell you, the only thing we deserve because of our stinking, wicked, rotten sin is to burn in hell. That's all we deserve. Oh, I deserve my rights. I deserve this. I deserve that. No, we don't. We deserve hell. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, that's where we'd all be spending eternity at. Amen? And aren't you thankful for grace? Aren't you thankful for God's unmerited favor? I guarantee you this. Noah was. Amen? And I am too. So number one, sin grieves the heart of God. Number two, God offers grace to mankind. Number three, don't miss it, church. Not accepting God's grace leads to judgment. Not accepting God's grace leads to judgment. Back in Genesis chapter 6, notice what we see here in verse 11. The Bible says the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Sound familiar? There's a reason God likened, Jesus likened the days uh, before His coming, His second coming, as into the days of Noah. And I ain't going to go there this morning. i got a whole message I preach about that. But I'm going to tell you, things going on in Noah's day, things going on in our day. Amen? Flood was about to come and take them all away. Judgment's about to come and, and, and sweep this world away. Amen? I'm telling you, folks, it's all coming to play exactly how God said it would. The earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted His way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then chapter 7, Notice what else we see. Flip over there to verse 21 and 22. The Bible says this, of course talking about the judgment of the flood, and all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. And in all whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all whose was in the dry land, died. Listen to me, folks. Every single person that did not accept the grace of God, died in Noah's day. By the way, you know what? Not every person had to die that lived in Noah's day. You know how we know that? Because the Bible tells us that in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, uh, but save Noah, the eighth person, listen now, a preacher of righteousness, bring in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. It took Noah approximately 120 years to build the ark. Okay? During that time, Noah, no doubt, uh, uh, took on that huge task of construct, uh, constructing the ark. But that's not all he did, amen? He wasn't just a GC for getting the ark built. He wasn't just a master carpenter to get all that wood to go together. No, you know what he was? He was a preacher of righteousness. And as he was building that ark, you know what else he was doing? He was preaching. You know what he was preaching? He was preaching of coming judgment. By the way, you know what? The reason God sent him to preach is because let me tell you what I believe. I believe that ark was big enough to sustain a whole lot more people. There's a reason God had Noah build it so big. Okay? In fact, if you go to the, the creation museum and you see it, and man, the way they have it laid out, you know, the best they think it probably would have been during the Bible, uh, based upon the biblical narrative, I'm going to tell you, folks, that thing was big enough to hold a whole lot more people. 
And you know what? God wanted more people on that ark. But you know why? They all died in whose nostrils was the breath of life because they ignored the grace of God. They didn't listen to the crazy preacher of the day. Just like today, all oh, you crazy preachers, you crazy Bible thumpers, you, you crazy Christians out there, y'all just a bunch of crazy wackos. Everything you say, you've been saying it for years and years and years. It ain't going to happen. I'm going to tell you something. Go ahead. Just as they scoffed in Noah's day, they're scoffing in our day. But guess what? The flood did come. And judgment one day will come upon this earth as well. I'm going to tell you right now, not accepting God's grace will, without a doubt, lead to judgment. Number four, Noah's preparation by building the ark saved his family from the flood. Noah's preparation by building the ark saved his family from the flood. Remember what we read back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7? Prepared an ark. Why? To the saving of his house. And then it says this at the end of verse 23 in Genesis chapter 7. It says, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive. Notice this. And they that were with him in the ark. You see, God could have come up with another way to save Noah and his family. Or he could have done anything he wanted to. He was God. He could have kept the waters from coming around their house if he would have wanted to. He could have sealed them up in a cave. He could have, hey, if he wanted to, he could have gave them gills and transformed them into mermaids and, and not get drowned in the water if God would have wanted to. He's God. He could do anything. But you know what? That wasn't his plan. His plan was for Noah and his family to build and seek protection in the ark. By the way, why do you think this is? Why also did God have Noah uh, build this massive boat instead of speaking into existence? Couldn't have God have done that? Couldn't have God, if he would have wanted to, just said the word and boom, there was the ark? Sure he could have. There's several reasons I believe the answer to this. I believe, first of all, the ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. Amen? No doubt it is. And just like no one was saved from death except by being in the ark, no one's going to be saved from eternal death except through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And listen, that's the only way to be saved. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, notice here, He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You say, preacher, that's pretty narrow-minded. Yeah, you're right, it is. Amen? Only one right answer, bazillions of wrong answers. So you're telling me that if a person doesn't believe in the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible, being saved the way the Bible said, you mean to tell me God's going to send them to hell? No, I mean to tell you they choose to go to hell. Because they ignore the grace and mercy of God and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You got it, amen? Jesus said it. He didn't say, I am one of many ways. He didn't say, I am a way. No, what did he say? The way. You know what that means? Singular, as there is only one. Remember what we've been learning in uh, Thursday night as we've been studying that tabernacle? How many doors was there, church, into the tabernacle? One. How many doors was there into that ark? One. Only one. You know what that represents, back, uh, church? Is that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Amen? So the ark is a picture of that. Not only that, the ark is a picture, by, by the way, this is good, of what the church ought to be. Of what, this, of, of what the church of Jesus Christ ought to be. That's why I believe Noah had to build the ark as opposed to God just dropping it out of the sky. Because just as Noah had to build that ark, come on now, Jesus Christ has commanded for us to help Him build His church. 
Amen? That's our job as Christians, is to help build the church of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not just talking about a physical building, okay? Because I taught you this, you know this. White River Baptist Church is not contained within the four walls of this building right here. Hey, I'm thankful for this building. Aren't you glad on a cold, damp morning like this, we had a nice, comfortable building to come into? Man, I'm thankful for that. But listen, folks, this this building can burn to the ground today, and White River Baptist Church would be just as alive and vibrant as ever. Amen? Because the building's not the church. The church is the called-out assembly of the people, amen, that assembles according to the principles and the precepts of the Word of God. And let me tell you what our job is. Our job is to help build the church of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, we just come off missions emphasis month, we preached a lot about it, amen. But what did He say? He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Why do we do what we do? Because we're trying to help Jesus build His church. Amen? By the way, let me just remind you, I like to remind us of this. It ain't your church, it ain't my church, it's His church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen? He shed His blood for it. The only reason we can be here today, the only reason we meet here, is because of Jesus and what He did for us. It belongs to Him. By the way, because because it belongs to Him, we better be careful how we act in it. Amen? We better be careful how we treat all the other different members. You know why? Because it's His church. And when you don't treat another member right, you're not treating a part of Jesus right. Amen? Amen. And so the church here, God, just as Noah, uh, 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 God uh, uh, called Him out to build that ark, you know what? It's our job to help build the church of Jesus Christ. By the way, why are we trying to do it? Just so we can look around and say, wow, man, look look how big we're getting. Is that why we're trying to do it? Absolutely not. We're trying to do it because we're warning people about coming judgment. We're warning people about what's to come. And folks, listen to me. We ought to be compelling people to come to Christ just as Noah was preaching righteousness and compelling people to come into the ark. Amen? That ark was where the protection was at. By the way, the church is where the protection's at from this world. I mean, you know what the church is? I love this description because it's so true. This place is not a museum, okay? It's not where we come in, we all try to, you know, act perfect and look a certain way and have a certain stereotype we live up to. Oh, I'm a church. You know what this place is? Are you kidding me? It's not a museum. You know what the church is? It's a hospital for the herd. It's a place where people can come. I don't know about y'all, but I got some problems. Don't, don't, don't even ask my wife, okay? All right? <laughs> I've done paid her off, okay? She knows her. She knows who takes care of her. She ain't going to tell you the problems, all right? But I can guarantee you this. There is something, man. There ain't one of us in this room today that got it all figured out. And if you think you do, well, then you're probably the one that needs it the most, amen? Because let me tell you, we all got issues. We all got problems. You know why? Because we live in this stinking, wicked flesh, amen? Man, I hate the flesh. That's one of the things I'm so looking forward to about heaven. No more flesh is going to be in there. Let me tell you, we all got problems. You know what we need? We need a place we can come where we can get the help we need. By the way, you ain't coming here to hear a pep talk. Ain't why you're coming here. You ain't coming here just so, you know, I can soothe your conscience with some, you know, uh, nice flowery words. That ain't why you're coming here. You're coming here because let me tell you what's going to help us heal, what's going to help us be better, what's going to help us be a, uh, live a life that pleases God. It's the preaching of the Word of God. And that's why from this pulpit, as long as I'm the pastor here, that's going to be the emphasis of this church, is the preaching of the Word of God. We don't apologize for it. If it offends you, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. You know why I'm not sorry? Because 
I don't answer to you. I answer to Him. You didn't call me to preach. He called me to preach. And i got to preach what He tells me to preach. By the way, you can shout, you can pout, you can like it, you can love it. It ain't changing the fact that we're always going to preach the Word of God here. Amen? And by the way, that's what we need. Just as that ark was an ark of protection from the storms outside, the church is an ark of protection from the crazy things of this life. Amen? Amen. By the way, the church, the ark is where they got fed at. That's where the food was at. That's where the substance was at. The church is where the substance is at spiritually yes, and, and physically a lot too. Amen? Right? We eat pretty good around here. The, uh, the ark is where life was found out. Everything outside of the ark died. Hey, the message of the church of Jesus Christ is where eternal life is found out. Amen? Amen? Through the fact that you can know Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Him and praise God for those things. So the ark had to be built in order to survive the flood. Number five, preparations had to be done God's way in order to survive the flood. Now don't miss this, because man, this is important. And this is where sometimes a lot of people get out of sorts with God. Okay? Go back to Genesis chapter 6. I want to show you this because, again, if you're, if you're here on Thursday night for a Thursday night Bible study, you're seeing this. God expects it done the way He wants it done. There's a reason He tells us exactly what He wants. Amen? And by the way, that's what the Bible is. The Bible tells you how God wants you to live. By the way, tells you what God's going to hold you to account for one of these days. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to do something, here's what I like saying. I used to teach this to my algebra students, all right? You've got to know the objective. You've got to know what you're trying to do. If you don't know what the objective is, if you don't know what you're trying to do or where you're trying to go, you're just sitting there spinning your wheels. Well, you know what? God doesn't leave the mystery about what the objective is because He wrote it down for us. Amen? He gave it to us. It's found in His holy word. Notice this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14. All right? Notice what the Bible says. God said, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, shalt thou pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set the side thereof with lower, second, third story shalt thou make it. You know what you see here? You see very specific instructions on how the ark was to be prepared. <laughs> By the way, the dimensions of the ark, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall, based upon a cubit. Okay? Listen, you know what you don't see in this story? You don't see Noah arguing with God about how to build the ark. You don't see that. In fact, history tells us that Noah more than likely probably could have been a shipbuilder. Okay, based upon his knowledge and, and how this was accomplished. Okay, <coughs> again, that's something that's just subjective, but they tell us he could have been. Well, let's say Noah was a shipbuilder. You don't see Noah confident attitude with God. God, what do you mean, God? I mean, that's not the way. That's not the way you build it. Where's the place for the oars, God? Where's the rudder going to be? You don't see Noah confident attitude when God told him how to do it. Well, God, I think pine would be a better wood than gopher wood. You know how messy it's going to be to spread all this pitch around? No, you know what you find out? When Noah got his orders from God, Noah followed the plan exactly how God laid them out. Exactly to the T. He didn't argue. He didn't thought he had a better plan. He found out what God said, and he just did it. By the way, church, don't miss this. There's some things that got to be done exactly God's way in order to make them work. We've already talked about salvation. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, if you think you're getting to heaven any other way except the Bible way, you ain't going. If you think you've got to be saved and baptized to get to heaven, you ain't going. 
If you think you got to be saved, baptized, and uh, you know, do a bunch of good works or belong to a church or all this and all that, the other crazy things people believe, listen, if that's what you think gets you to heaven, that ain't what God says gets you there. Very clear, very plain. Salvation must be done exactly God's way. How about this? Marriage must be done exactly God's way in order to work. Marriage. I mean, come on, folks. Are we not under attack in this area? What in the world is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Noah's day's going on. That's exactly what's happening in our day and age we're living in. Listen, you want to have a successful marriage? You want to have a happy marriage? And by the way, whether you say it or not, every single couple wants that. Nobody wants to live hell on earth in a marriage. You just don't. Okay? But I'm going to tell you right now, you know why a lot of marriages, and sad to say Christian marriages, aren't working out the way we all thought it would sometimes? You know why? We're not following God's plan. We think we know better than God. We think Dr. Phil knows better than God. We think chicken soup for marriage knows better than God. No, folks, you're not going to improve on the, 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 the best marriage book there is, the Word of God. You want your marriage to work right? Apply Bible principles. Apply Bible principles. By the way, what are they? If you want to know them, there's 12 of them. 12 for the husband, 12 for the wife. That's not that complicated. 12 steps to a good marriage. You know what they are? Bible principles. You want those? Let me know. I'll get you a copy of them. Amen? By the way, anybody that goes through marriage counseling and want marriage counseling, listen, folks, I don't, I don't sit there and try to psychoanalyze everything. Okay? I'm not a psychiatrist. You know what I am? I'm a believer in the Word of God. So if somebody wants marriage counseling for me, you know what we do? We whip out the Bible principles. Start talking about, hey, this is what the Bible says. Are you doing this? Uh, well, uh, 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 the, the, you know, isn't that amazing in relationship problems? That's what we always want to do, right? Amen? Well, come on, folks, listen. The Bible has the way for marriages to work out right. You've got to prepare just the way God said. How about this? Happiness in life. You want to be happy in life? Do it God's way. By the way, everybody, everybody uh, that's out there trying to find happiness their way, trying to fill that empty void, that hole with everything in this world, are they happy? Well, come on, you answer me that question. What's the divorce rate amongst Hollywood? They're supposed to be the most you know, famous people on earth, the most money, the most fame, the most this, the most that. They're some of the most miserable people on the planet. You know what the highest, the, uh, as far as death rate goes, profession is? Someone that's a professional, whether a professional athlete or a professional actor or something like that. Highest suicide rate in that group right there. You know why? Because they're trying to fill that trying to find the happiness, trying to fill that void with anything and everything except what God says in the Word of God. Amen. Now, in order for us to survive the floods of life, we got to do it God's way. Now, back in Noah's day. God came and talked to him and showed up to him and spoke to him audibly because there was no scripture. You know what? That's not how God talks to people in our day. But it still doesn't mean God doesn't talk. He will speak to you if you listen through his word. Through his word. So preparations had to be done God's way in order for them to survive the flood. And then last of all, let me give you this. The ark served the purpose for which it was prepared. Go to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. The ark served the purpose for which it was prepared. How did it work out? Did they survive the flood? Well, we're all here today, so they must have, right? Verse 14, look what it said. Genesis chapter 8, verse 14. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried, and God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. 
Bring forth with thee every living thing that's with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and fruit and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Guess what? The ark worked. Right? The, the purpose for which it was prepared, it preserved the human race. You know what? It did what it was supposed to do. By the way, come on church. Just like God used the ark for a specific purpose to do a specific thing, God wants to use us to do things for Him. The things that He made us for. Amen? Listen folks, God made you for a bigger life than just to live, eat, die, and have the most toys. God made you for something more than that. He made the human race, particularly His children, for something more than that. He made for us to live for things of eternal value, eternal purposes. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 describes it this way, But ye, talking to God's people, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Here's the question. The ark fulfilled its purpose. Are you and I, are we fulfilling God's purpose for which He created us for? Are you fulfilling that purpose? I mean, come on, folks. Are you accomplishing the work God made you to accomplish? He didn't just save you to take you to heaven, right? He saved us for a specific reason as we walk on this earth. Amen? Are you fulfilling that? So the prepared work of Noah. Here's what we learned this morning. Sin grieves the heart of God. God offers grace to mankind. Not accepting God's grace leads to God's judgment. Noah's preparation of building the ark saved his family from the flood. Preparations had to be done God's way in order to survive the flood. The ark served the purpose for which it was prepared. Now, real quick, all right? Five more minutes. What's this have to do with me today? March the 12th, 2023, Princeton, Indiana, White River Baptist Church. What's this message about knowing the ark have to do with me today? Let me tell you what it has to do with you today. Number one, make sure your preparations are made within the ark of Jesus Christ. I don't believe in accidents. Everybody is here today because God orchestrated it so. You're not here by accident. Okay? You're here because God ordained it in eternity past that you be here today so your path could intersect with the path of a Bible-preaching preacher so you can hear the truth of the Word of God for a reason. Every single one of us. And listen, if you're here today and you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I mean 100% sure that heaven's going to be your eternal home, you need to get it settled today. You need to not leave these doors without knowing 100% sure when you die, you're going to heaven. You know, most people don't have 100% confidence they're going to heaven. Most people don't. This is what most people say. I hope so. I hope so. Listen, eternity's too long. Your soul is too precious to base your eternity on a hope. You need to know for sure that you're going to heaven. By the way, you can know that for sure. You can know that. Here's what the Bible says. You've got to be born again. Amen? Just like you were born physically, you've got to be a, a moment in time you're born spiritually. So you know what? Make your preparation today. Get within that ark of Jesus Christ. Get saved today if you're not saved. Number two, here we go, church. Just like Noah, we all ought to be a preacher of righteousness. Now, I'm not saying God's called you to go do what He called me to do. Go to some town and start a church. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying this. Every single one of us ought to be preaching righteousness. Amen. Yes, ladies, I'm commissioning you as well. Right? 
that now don't get me wrong okay somebody's going to come up here and and uh you know see me online heretic heretic all right no i'm not saying you ought to be a pastor i'm saying you know what every christian man woman uh, young person ought to be preaching righteousness amen you ought to be preaching it with your mouth and when i say that i don't mean you go around sort of looking your nose down on people oh can you believe them can you believe that no i'm talking about hey you know listen tell them the good news of jesus christ Somebody told you, somebody told you, don't you think the people God brings across your path ought to deserve to hear it as well? Amen? Listen, be a preacher of righteousness. Tell people about Christ. Every Christian ought to be involved in that. Men, women, children, all of us. Amen? And then not just with what you say, but you also ought to preach it with how you live. How you live ought to be a testimony. What Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? We talked about it, I believe, Thursday night when we talked about that golden candlestick there in the tabernacle. How that the point and the purpose of that candlestick was to light the tabernacle. What Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? Ye, talking about Christians, are the light of the world. Talking about how that our lives, let your lights therefore so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now listen, I don't believe that you ought to just live a life. I believe you ought to speak it as well. Amen? Because let me tell you what you find the pattern in the Word of God. It's to, it's to get the Gospel out. Proclaim the Gospel. Preach the Gospel. But I'm going to say this. You preach it, your life don't back it up, ain't nobody going to listen to you. You better not just say it. You better prove it with your life as well. By the way, that's not a life of perfection. Aren't you glad that's not the standard? Amen? Ain't none of us fall short of that. But you know what it is? It's a life of consistency. A life of, you know what? I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. And the best I can, I want to live a life that reflects my Father which is in heaven. Come on, Christian. That's what, 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 what we ought to be doing. Just as Noah was a preacher of righteousness, we ought to be a preacher of righteousness as well. And then last of all, number three, prepare to fulfill your life's purpose just as the ark did. Listen, prepare for that. God wants to use your life for something. Amen? All right? He wants you to accomplish something. Prepare to fulfill that. You say, well, preacher, how do I prepare to fulfill that? Well, I'll tell you one of the best ways you can prepare is be faithful in attendance and the service in the house of God. Be, be faithful to that. How are you ever going to know what it is if you're not here to hear it? Amen? And when you do hear it, you're not, you don't put it to practice. Amen? Listen, folks, I'm so thankful for folks that, that, that come to the services, but this is not just about coming to the services. It's about coming here, hearing what God wants me to do, that come on now, Getting busy doing it. Yeah. Getting busy doing it. Amen? And that ark fulfilled the purpose, and God wants our lives to fulfill the purpose as well.